Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Colossians. Today is episode 580, looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Read our passage. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians. Paul's sending this letter from Rome, where Paul's under house arrest. He's sending it via Tychicus. Tychicus is traveling to Colossae. He's bringing Onesimus, the runaway slave, back to Philemon. He's carrying three letters. A letter he's going to drop off at Ephesus, and a letter to Philemon concerning Onesimus, and this letter, the letter to the church in Colossae. Paul has begun the letter with just a standard greeting from Paul and Timothy to the church in Colossae. Now he's continuing in his standard fashion with the letter with a commendation of their faith, essentially. So in verse 3 he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And this is a standard thing. Now he does say we, so it's from Paul and Timothy, so he says we, but there's a lot of variation in Paul's letters. Uh, sometimes Paul said, when it's just from Paul alone, he says I, but sometimes he says from Paul and Timothy, and he says I. Sometimes he says we. I wouldn't make anything really of this, but he is including Timothy here in the we. Now he gives the reason for their thanksgiving. Verse 4, For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Now just because of the grammar here, he says your faith in Christ. There's two ways you can read faith in Christ. That is, Christ is the object of your faith. You have faith concerning Jesus Christ the Savior. Or, as a child of Christ, as a person in Christ, you have faith. Now, people who study Greek grammar say it's better to take this the second of those, that it's not so much Christ as the object of your faith, you have faith about Christ, but as a person in Christ, you have faith. So there's not really theological difference to be made there, but just that's just the grammar of it. But you have faith of being a person in Christ, and you have love for the saints. And it's verse 5, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. So here you see this, uh, what they often call a triad of Christian graces, faith, hope, and love. And it occurs several places throughout the New Testament. So in, in various orders, we often just refer to faith, hope, and love. That's the way we see it in 1 Corinthians uh, and that's a, a very memorable passage. Sometimes it's a love, then hope, then faith. Sometimes hope, then faith, then love. But it, it comes in various combinations. But this triplet here, faith, hope, and love, we often see it together. And it's a good way to describe uh, our attributes uh, that we would have 
in our faith, that we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have love for God and for one another, and the hope is the confident expectation we have about what God has done and how that applies to us. Continues to verse 5, it says, You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Now, when we say hope, we don't mean it as wishful thinking of, I hope this is true. I hope that I really have a future in heaven with Jesus Christ. But the Christian hope is a confident expectation. It's a surety. It's not just wishful thinking. It's an assurance of what is going to happen. And the basis of this hope is the word of truth. He says the word of truth, the gospel. Now we throw the word gospel around a lot, and different people have different definitions of it. One is a specific genre of literature, that is like the four gospels, the the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of John. So it's a specific four books of the Bible are Gospels. Well, except the Gospel is there basically the story of Jesus Christ. But here he uses Gospel in a different way. It's the word Gospel literally means good news. And it comes from Old English, Gospel a good spell, a good tale, a good story, good news. And the Greek is euangelion. You means good. Angelion means message. That's where we get the word angel, which means messenger. So it's good news. That's also where we get the word evangelism. That is the proclaiming of the good news. So the good news is the gospel. What is the good news? And what I often recommend to people is they've thought through and have in their mind what I often call the thumbnail sketch of the gospel. That is a brief explanation of the gospel. And it doesn't have to be a specific script, but have thought through and, and actually said it out loud a few times. How would you explain the gospel in a very brief period of time to someone? And I begin with just the explanation or the definition of the word gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. And I say it's the explanation of how to be reconciled with God. And that's a good beginning then to explain the gospel. The fact that we need reconciliation with God. We need to be reconciled with God because we are separated from God because of sin. Sin separates us from God. And that's, that's the bad news. The worst news is that Sin carries a death penalty. That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. But the good news is Jesus came and took that death penalty that we deserve on himself when he died on the cross. And because he has taken the penalty of sin, forgiveness is offered. And the way that works is we go to God in faith. Faith of what Jesus has done on the cross. We confess our sin. We ask for forgiveness. And we turn our lives over to God. And when we do that in faith, God recognizes that and forgives us of sin, adopts us as his children, fills us with the Holy Spirit, and we're now children of God with a promise of eternity with God in heaven. And that's such a brief explanation of the gospel. Anybody can do that, but you have to think it through in advance. What's the, the basic elements of the gospel? Sin, separation from God, 
reconciliation with God through the blood of Jesus, faith in what Christ has done, confession, forgiveness, so all those things, but uh, I've thought through in a way that works with you. So that's the gospel. And it says, that's the basis of this hope that you have, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. So he's taken it back to, apparently it's Epaphras who has somehow encountered Paul in Ephesus on his third missionary journey and was part of this group who took the gospel to the, the whole area of Asia. And Epaphras, a native of Colossae, took the gospel back to Colossae, and they heard it and accepted it and have been growing in it, and the gospel has been spreading. And he set it up for what's to come in chapter 2, and he starts talking about the problem. Basically, reminding them, you guys heard the gospel. You accepted the gospel. The basis of your faith is the gospel. The gospel is the basis of the church. He hadn't said it yet, but the whole point here is don't deviate from the gospel. And what's the essence of the gospel is our faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done. And that's got to be central to our conduct and faith as Christians. Because what's happening is they're being led astray, or at least the threat of being led astray by some competing thoughts from the world around them. So you heard the gospel and truly came to appreciate God's grace. Then verse 7, you'll learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. So this is where we say Epaphras is probably the guy that brought the gospel to Colossae. goes on in verse 7, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he's told us about your love in the Spirit. So he's bragging about Epaphras here. And the idea, he's a faithful minister on your behalf. We know Epaphras is with Paul. And it seems that some churches had actually sent people to work with Paul as, as their representatives. And whether they had actually sent him or he had taken upon himself, whatever the case. But Epaphras is with Paul. Paul basically saying, hey, he's here on your behalf working with me. And he's told us about your love in the Spirit. So this is how Paul knows what's going on in Colossae. Epaphras has told him what's going on. This is likely how Paul knows there's a problem in Colossae that Epaphras has told him. And told us about your love in the Spirit. Love, that's primary Christian attribute. Love for the Lord and love for one another. And if you keep those things primary then that often will keep us from getting into trouble. Love for one another, that deals with basic issues of morality, of how we deal with one another, if love is our primary concern. Love for the Lord, that's going to begin with the Word of God, of what has God said. And since I love the Lord, I'm going to pay attention to what He has said what he has told us is important. I will adjust things to match up with what he has said because I love him. And he says your love in the Spirit. Interesting, this is the only mention of the Spirit 
in Colossians. Yeah, again, I wouldn't make too much of that. That's just uh, an interesting note. But Colossians is about Christ. Christ as the head of the church. That Christ is supreme. Everything, everything we do as far as the church goes, as far as our faith goes, Christ has got to be central to it. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Colossians.